All right, church. Ooh, got a little wonky table here, a little cattywampus. That's okay. Um, hey, it's good to see you all tonight. I'm so excited I get to preach uh, live this evening, and uh, we are continuing a series that Pastor Rob started last weekend on the book of Daniel. So if you have not yet been able to see that message, I'd encourage you sometime this week, go on and watch the first message as it sets up the framework for the rest of this series. And the name of the series is just what chapter are we in? Uh, specifically talking about the book of Daniel. And we're going to be looking at uh, chapters 1, 3, and 6. And today, this evening, I'm going to be preaching on chapter 1 of Daniel. And the question is, what chapter are we in? I love the book of Daniel, and before we jump into the book of Daniel, I want to just let you know what this book is really all about in the Old Testament. Uh, it gives us, the book of Daniel gives us a pattern on how to live in evil days and in an evil culture, but it also gives us a promise. It reminds us of the promise that any earthly kingdom that is established will not last, that God's kingdom is eternal and everlasting and has supreme authority over our lives, uh, that it will endure and it will stand. And it leads to, uh, it gives us encouragement to persevere while we are on our days, while we are living our days here out on planet earth. And so it gives us a pattern, a promise, and a pathway to perseverance. I'm a preacher and all the words start with Praise God. But before I continue, I want to give you some context of the book of Daniel. Now, this is an Old Testament book, and you have to know that God has had established Jerusalem as the center of his worship among his people in Israel. But at this point, Jerusalem is on, we're going to get a little, we're going to get a, we're going to do a little table swap out, swap out here. This is stuff you get at 5 p.m. that the morning services don't get. This is the fun stuff that we get to do. But Jerusalem's on decline. The best and brightest young people of Jerusalem have just been taken away as slaves in exile into Babylon, uh, which is modern-day uh, Iraq and Iran, that part of the world. And they're carried off into exile. And the Old Testament temple, which is the center of, of worshiping God on planet Earth, has just been raided, ransacked, and in a, in a little while will be destroyed by King Nebuchadnezzar. And so it's a period of drastic change for God's people. And I think we're going through drastic change right now in our country. In fact, the historian Peter Drucker says, Every few hundred years in Western history, there occurs a sharp transformation. Society rearranges itself, its worldview, its basic values, its social and political structure, its arts, its key institutions. We are currently living through just such a transformation. Drastic change is happening right now. And drastic change isn't fun. You know why I know drastic change isn't fun? Because junior high is not fun. No one likes junior high. Junior high for me was not fun. <laughs> I had massive zits all over the place. One time a football coach, an adult football coach, made fun of my acne. I'm like, come on, man. It's like I'm a teenager. This is what we have right now. You know, I had a bad haircut. My clothes didn't fit well. You know, I'm just like limbs don't feel like they fit, you know, in, can, <laughs> with the proportion of the rest of my body. And 
it's just you don't know how to talk to people. Junior high was not fun because it's a it's a time of drastic change. And we're going through some drastic change right now. And I love how Pastor Rob kind of defined Babylon, right? This foreign nation that God's people were carried off in exile into. Pastor Rob defines Babylon as today as a symbol that describes any human institution that demands allegiance to its idolatrous redefinitions of good and evil. It's a human kingdom. And all throughout history, Human kingdoms, we see, rebel against God. And human kingdoms will oftentimes elevate self to either at the same level as God or even above God. And we see today, we live in a culture of, uh, uh, that is idolatrous. We're not worshiping idols made of gold, silver, stone. We're not worshiping animals or nature. We see a culture that's just worshiping itself. That self is propped up as the supreme authority in life. And we, so I believe, and I think this will help us cope with the times that we are in, that as followers of Jesus, that it's important that we not only accept that we live in Babylon, but it's important that we accept we belong in Babylon. Let me tell you why I believe we belong in Babylon. It's because culture is dark. Media is dark. The news is dark. I mean, you look at culture and it's just dark and it seems like it's getting worse and worse and worse. You know, there's a thing thing now called, that's just come up since we've been in quarantine with COVID. There's a phenomenon that started that's called doom scrolling. And let me just give you the definition. Doom scrolling has emerged as a new slang term to describe the practice of endlessly consuming doom and gloom news. You're just going, you're like, oh no, oh no. Can you believe that? Oh no, I'm putting this on Facebook. I am out, I am outraged. I mean, and he's just scrolling, scrolling. Culture's dark. But let me tell you something about darkness. It's this time of year, many Minnesotans, we go up north. We get away from the city. And it becomes nighttime. And what do we do? We go outside away from the city lights and we look up in the sky and what do we see? What are those bright twinkling balls up in the sky? The stars are amazing. Let me tell you why. Light shines brightest in the darkness. Culture is dark. The world we're living in is dark. And I believe... That light shines brightest when it's dark. Daniel, Hananiah, and Mishael, and Azariah, Daniel and his young friends, they're living in darkness. They're the best and brightest of Israel, right? They're taken away. The temple where they worship God, it is raided. They're going through drastic change, and they're brought into incredible uncertainty, devastation, and upheaval. And what do they do? Let me, let me propose to you this evening that... We can do today what Daniel and his friends did in Babylon. What we can do as followers of Jesus is stand out. We can stand out. Let me read this. Daniel 1 verse 5. It says, The king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate and of the wine that he drank. They were to be educated. This is Daniel and his friends.
Well, church, you get to hear from your campus pastor this morning. I get to preach. I've already had, I've already had three cups of coffee, so I hope you're ready for some energy and some passion, and you better be talking back to me. I expect amens and put your hands together. Come on, we're not watching the video. You get live preaching this morning. But uh, Pastor Rob, I want to let you know, he started our first series that we've had in a while on the book of Daniel last week. And the title of the series is, What Chapter Are We In? As we read through the book of Daniel, we think, like, man, what chapter are we in? And today we're going to talk about Daniel chapter 1. But the book of Daniel, I love this this book. It gives us a pattern on how to live in evil times. Daniel and his friends give us a pattern. The book of Daniel gives us a promise that it's not human kingdoms that are eternal, that God's kingdom is eternal, that God's kingdom endures. And when we know this and we live by it, we have the promise that we can persevere no matter what comes our way. Anyone need some hope and encouragement this morning that we're going to get through, that God has us? And so the pattern that we're going to talk about this morning that Daniel lays out is a pattern to stand out. You know, God created us to stand out. And, and we see this from Daniel. We get the promise, you know, and, and, and they made, you know, Daniel was a prophet. And God used Daniel to prophesy about the coming Messiah that would Bring God's kingdom and establish it on earth. Daniel lived by that promise. He lived that on the promise that God was in charge. And so we have a promise that Jesus is the king of kings. And then finally, the perseverance part, we're going to make it. Someone just needs to hear that this morning. You're going to make it. If you're battling cancer, you're going to make it. If you have financial struggles, you're going to make it. If you, are, if you have been uh, just hit with worry and anxiety. You're going to make it. And I can tell you, and we're going to look into the book of Daniel of, of how, we, how we do make it, but let me set some context up for the book of Daniel. Uh, Jerusalem is the capital of Israel at this time. It's the center of God's people. The temple is built there. The center of worshiping God on planet earth is set in Jerusalem. But the Babylonian Empire has started to come in, and Jerusalem is on the decline. The Old Testament temple where everyone worshiped God, and it was the center of, of like, man, like we're God's people. We have the temple. It had just been raided. It had just been uh, ransacked and was about to be destroyed by King Nebuchadnezzar. Not only is the temple uh, on, uh, had been raided, but God's best people, the best of Israel, the brightest minds had all been taken away in exile to serve a pagan king in a godless nation in Babylon. They're experiencing drastic change. Peter Drucker, who's in a who is an historian, explains that every few hundred years in Western history, there occurs a sharp transformation. Society rearranges itself, its, word, its worldview, its basic values, its social and political structure, its arts, its key institutions. I believe we are currently living through such a transformation today. Change is happening right now. And can I tell you, drastic change is not fun. Case in point, junior high school. Drastic change is not fun. 
I hated junior high. I had the worst acne. I don't know if like we didn't, I mean, I don't know you guys, teenagers today, they look way better than we looked back in the day. I had zits. One time I had a, such a big zit on my chin, a football coach, a football coach, an adult made fun of me. And you talk about insecurity, man, I was living it. I had terrible acne, bad haircuts, bad clothes, didn't know how to interact. You know, like my limbs are like all disproportionate to the size of my body and Junior high is rough. It's a time of drastic change. Drastic change isn't fun. And I believe our country is going through a drastic change right now. I believe that we need to accept that we live in a modern-day Babylon. I love how Pastor Rob uh, described Babylon last week when he opened the series. He said, Babylon uh, today is a symbol that describes any human institution that demands allegiance to its idolatrous redefinitions of good and evil. It's a human kingdom. And all throughout history, we see that human kingdoms often rebel against God. And human kingdoms elevate self to either at the level of God or above God. And we live in an idolatrous culture right now. Granted, people aren't worshiping statues or, uh, or uh, uh, animals or nature. We see people worshiping self, elevating self above God. God. And so we're going through a drastic change right now. You know, and I would say that uh, my encouragement is that not to just accept that we live in Babylon, but I want to encourage you this morning. We belong in Babylon. As God's people, we belong in Babylon. And here's why. Culture is dark. The news is dark. Media, the arts, it's dark. There's doom and gloom everywhere. In fact, there's a thing now called doom scrolling. You guys heard of doom scrolling? Doom scrolling has emerged as a new slang term to describe the practice of endlessly consuming doom and gloom news. Just getting arthritis in your thumb. Just like, oh, can you believe? Oh, my. Oh, no. Oh, I feel it, man. I scroll through the news, and I just feel my anxiety levels. I scroll through social media. I feel my anxiety levels. Just And it's called doom scrolling. Culture's dark. But let me tell you something about the dark. When you go up to northern Minnesota this time of year, right, you get up to the lake or the cabin and you just get up north, you get away from the city lights. You get away from all the light pollution in the nighttime sky. There is nothing like going outside at night in the darkness of night and looking up. And what do you see? You see bright, twinkling stars, unlike you can see even in the Minnetrista, West Honk area. Here's why. Light shines brightest in the darkness. We belong in Babylon. We're meant to shine bright. We're meant to stand out. We're meant to stand out. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah in Daniel chapter 1, they were living in darkness. They were the best and brightest minds of Israel that had been taken away. Remember their temple where they worship God, ransacked and raided. They're going through drastic change. They, and they were brought into incredible devastation, uncertainty, and upheaval. Doesn't that sound like today? What did they do? I believe we can do today what they did in Babylon. Church, we can stand out. Let me read this in Daniel chapter 1, verse 5, and then I'm going to jump to verse 8. The king assigned Daniel and his friends a daily portion of the food that the king ate. 
and of the wine that he drank. They were to be educated for three years, and at the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. Let's jump to verse 8. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. Daniel didn't want to settle just to stand before the king and be like everyone else. Daniel and his friends decided they are not going to defile themselves with the king's table because they had, they had laws from the Torah and they believed that God was the supreme uh, ultimate authority in their lives. And they said, you know what? We're going to abstain. We're not going to fit in like everyone else. I don't want to just stand before the king. I want to stand out to the king. I want to be a standout. And Daniel gives us a pattern. Why did he want to stand out? I believe he gives us a pattern because he had convictions. He had conviction. I love how Howard Hendricks says this. He says, a belief is something you will argue about. A conviction is something you will die for. Daniel had godly convictions. He goes, I don't want to eat that which will defile me, set up, set up by God's law. I want to stand out. I don't want to live. And he was willing to die for it. It says that he asked the king's chief official if he could abstain. Okay? Daniel had godly convictions. I want, what are your convictions like? What are your convictions like? <laughs> are you more passionate about your opinions than you are holding your godly convictions? Man, we got everyone. Everyone's got an opinion about everything today. And opinions are okay, but they're not okay if they're more passionate than your convictions. And so you ask yourself, what, what are godly convictions? I think we need to go to Jesus. I think we need to go to Jesus for everything. But let's go to Jesus. And I, Jesus had convictions. He modeled godly convictions. Jesus, first thing he had that, that Jesus believed is that greatness comes through service. Jesus believed that. Greatness comes through service. Go kids. Hello, life teams. Greatness comes through service. Um, Mother Teresa humility is a hard thing to like, you know, kind of hit a target at. It's like, I'm, I, I, I'm more humble today. Like, it's just hard to define humility or how to, how do I truly become more humble? And I found this list from Mother Teresa years ago. It's like Mother Teresa's humility list. I encourage you to Google it. But one thing on Mother Teresa's humility list said, always choose the harder task when it comes to serve people. Always choose the harder task. Jesus believes that greatness comes through service. He said himself in Mark 10, verse 45, he said, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. What is your conviction about serving people? Jesus, another conviction he had is that people need to know and follow him. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are in need of a Savior. You know who all is? It's everyone. Everyone. There's no righteous people by themselves. Every single person is sin. Jesus believed that, that everyone needs to know and follow him. Another conviction he had is that ultimate satisfaction comes from God. Listen, your satisfaction doesn't come from your paycheck, your position, your relationships, whoever's president. Your satisfaction will never be met by that. Jesus alone satisfies. Jesus alone. Jesus himself said in John chapter 4, starting in verse 13, he said, 
Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again, but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Jesus satisfies. Another conviction Jesus had is that we need to hear and do the word of God. Maybe church, we need to stop doing a lot of Bible studies and start doing a lot of Bible doings, okay? It's hearing it, it's learning it, but it's doing it. Faith without action is dead, is what James, the brother of Jesus, said. Bible doings. I thought that was, I get a little bit more, but it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. We're still warming up. I only have a couple minutes left. Praise God. All right. The other thing that Jesus believed was that God was his father. And you have to know the role of a father in first century Israel when Jesus was alive. A father was someone that had ultimate authority. A father was a protector. A father was a provider. A father was a guide. And Jesus said, my God is my father. And you know, what the father, you know what it talks about the Father? For God the Father, John 3, 16 and 17, for God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him, that whoever believes in Jesus shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that, that the world might be saved through him. God is the Father. And you know what? God loves the world. That was Jesus' conviction. God loves the world. Guess where Babylon is? In the world. <laughs> God loves Babylon. I believe we belong in Babylon because light shines brightest in the darkness. So Daniel had convictions, and, and he didn't worry about standing out. He didn't worry about fitting in. In fact, I believe we can't worry about fitting in if God's created us to stand out. We can't worry about it. We just have to accept God has created me to stand out. God's created me to stand out at work. God's created us to stand out in our neighborhood. God's created us to stand out and, and not like stand out in like the aggressive, like I'm different. I got my opinions and all that. God created us to stand out with conviction in that our light shines before others in Matthew 5, 16, so that people may see our good works and glorify our Father who's in heaven. We're created to stand out, not to stand out for our own good. We were created to stand out so that people would notice and give glory to God with our godly convictions. And so Daniel gives us this pattern. And I believe that, that we can follow this pattern as we, are, as we learn to be faithful to our convictions as we hold on to God's promises. As we hold on to God's promises. Now, I was trying to, like, remember this line. I, I messed this up last service, too. But come on, we just sang it. Because I know uh, uh, your promises are good. Come on, we just sang that song. You know, we got to hold on to the promises. We got to hold on to the promises. Now, here's what I believe about promises. There is no one on planet Earth that knows me like my wife Katie knows me. She knows me the best. That's why one of my life goals is that those that know me best respect me the most. So I live my life to just earn the respect and trust and admiration of my wife and my kids because they know me best. They see the good, the bad, and the ugly. There's ugly, isn't there? Not, yeah, yeah, see, she's so nice. She's so nice. She's being so nice, but she knows it. And so she knows I love surprises. Does anyone love surprises in here? Does anyone? I love surprises. I love being surprised. Like she has surprised me with trips for birthdays, surprises with epic gifts, like 
I love surprises. And she knows too that if, if I catch wind of surprises, that I'm like, what is it? What is it? Are we doing this? Are we doing that? What is it? Am I getting this? Am I getting that? You know, like I just ask, 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 ask. I'm like a kid sometimes. I'm like a kid all the time. And I love surprises, but she has developed uh, an amazing weapon in her marriage communication arsenal because she knows me so well that she now comes back to me and says, I'm not telling you anything, but I promise you will love it. And because I know her and she knows me, that promise from my wife helps bring peace and settles me because I know something good is coming. Come on, do you know the promises of God? He knows you. And let me tell you, with the promises of God, no matter what you're going through, no matter what the situation is looking like, something good is coming. Something good is coming. I believe something good is coming. Now, promises of God. Daniel and his friends believe, and we're going we're gonna to hash this out as we go through the book of Daniel. They believed that even though they were in a godless government, they were living in a godless culture, that God was in charge. That no matter what situation came their way, they knew that God's kingdom was everlasting and it is invading earth and God was going to use them to stand out. Now, remember I told you, Daniel, was he prophesied. We have prophecies of Daniel that point to the Messiah, point to Jesus. Let me tell you about something that Jesus said after he died on the cross for our sins and after he rose from the grave and right as he was about to ascend into heaven, he gets his followers together. And in Matthew 28, starting in verse 18, he gets everyone together and he goes, listen, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you to the end of the age. Leave that up there. Does Jesus say some authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me? Does Jesus say uh, it depends on who is in charge at the time that my authority? No! It's all authority in heaven and on earth. My daughter, Everly, she's cute. She's the cutest ever. She's crazy, but she is so cute. I love her to death. One day, you know, I call her my princess. I go, Everly, you know you're my princess. And then we go through the family, and she goes, and, and mommy's the queen. Oh, you better believe that. Mommy's the queen. <laughs> and Judah, he's, he's, he's the champion prince. Yep, Judah is the champion prince. We go through our family. And I go, and who's the king? And she goes, Jesus. <laughs> and I'm like, you got it right, girl. But let me just correct you. I am the king of the house. Come on. Jesus is the king of kings. Jesus is the Lord of lords. That he sits on the throne. That he is in charge. And that's the promise that Daniel and his friends had. That no matter what king is there, no matter what government we're in, no matter how bad culture gets, God is in control. God's on the throne. Someone needs to hear that. And so we have a pattern to stand out because we can hold on to a promise. But let me tell you this. We do it so we persevere. I'm about to blow your mind. You guys ready to do the little, like, blow your mind? Check this out. Check this out. Daniel 1, verse 21. This is why you got to study the Bible. This is why you got to read it with a shovel and not just read it with a rake. Daniel 121. Someone needs to hear this this morning. 
And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. Can I tell you something about King Cyrus? King, it was not just, uh, I mean, what's the queen of England? I mean, that, she's been the queen forever, right? And then her kids becomes, you know, what? I, I don't know. I don't care about British royalty because I'm an American. We literally became a country so we didn't have to care about British royalty. But for whatever reason, we still love talking about British royalty. It, King Cyrus wasn't King Nebuchadnezzar's son. King Cyrus was a king from a different country and came in and conquered Babylon. And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. You know what that means? Daniel stood out. Daniel held to the promise and Daniel outlived Babylon. Daniel saw Babylon come and Babylon go. And guess who's on the throne the entire time? His name's Jesus. His name's Jesus. No matter what you're going through, you're going to get through. You know why? Because Jesus is on the throne, and you are his child, and he loves you, and he's for you, and no weapon formed against you shall prosper, because greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world, because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is the same spirit that lives in me. Jesus is in control. Someone stand up and say amen and give God praise. Jesus is the King of kings. Jesus is the Lord of lords. Jesus, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. He's with us. He's for us. We will get through.